Welcome to City Hope London's Sermon Podcast. To find out more about us, visit www.cityhope.london. I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for asking. (laughs) So before we get into our text this morning, which as uh, Chris has said is from 1 Peter, I was thinking about the fact that the Bible in the the New Testament has got a lot of letters in it. And it's letters written by um, apostles, Christian leaders to churches, you know, to Christians. So I thought I'd write you a letter. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to give it out. I'm going to read it because that would... It's just a bit, a bit simpler. <laughs> right, it goes like this. Is my PowerPoint up already? The blank, thank you, Joel. Dear City Hope, I love that we have hope in our name. It's a wonderful reminder that we are called to be a people of hope. You are called by him, loved by him, picked out to stand out, to be his, to be different from the rest. All the way back from the story in Genesis when God called Abraham, this has been the case. God called Abraham and said he would bless him and make him a blessing to the whole world. And the Bible makes it clear that Today, the outworking of that is you. In this time, in this place, you, City Hope, are the family of Abraham, blessed by God, given blessing for the world around you. And I hope that the gospel gives you hope. It's such amazing news that God himself would come as a human, to suffer as a human, to die, to rise from death, and to conquer death and live forever, and to invite us, to invite you into that family, that people. And you know what that does? It takes your hope beyond this life, beyond the grave, to a place that endures. It enables us to live this life. I hope it enables you to live this life with a different perspective. And I think that's a good thing because... Life can be tough, can't it? (laughs) Apart from the everyday human experience of many griefs and trials, being a Christian here and now can be pretty tough. Am I right? Some of you have been Christians for decades and mentioning no names. Actually, so have I. And we've seen the way that actually our culture has changed toward us. Christian values, so-called, no longer are lauded as a wholly positive thing. In fact, sometimes it feels like Christians are seen as the last people with anything useful to say. And uh, this fellow, Frank Skinner, well-known British comedian, he said this, it's easier to come out as an alcoholic than a Christian. He was talking about his own struggles in life, but also his faith. And in that same article, the journalist who wrote it said, doing God in our secular 
skeptical age is usually taken to risk career meltdown. It can feel like society is kind of closing in on the church. It doesn't really want to hear what you have to say. And in fact, I heard a BBC report on TV recently, a Northern Ireland politician was challenging the way that the BBC had covered a story. And he said, you can be anything in Britain today but a Christian. Sometimes it feels a bit like that. All of which is why we, you, need to keep fixed on the truth of the gospel. The truth that endures beyond this life. And as we do, as you do, as we live as the people of God, different, called out, holy, with our priorities dictated to by God and his word, not by the ever-shifting sands of society and media and culture, we will show the world that there is a different way, that there's a beauty and a hope in the gospel. I was reading a book by a, a theologian called Craig Carter, and he said this, by living out of a different story than the world does, the church confronts the world with the choice of following Jesus. City Hope, we have a better story to tell than the world around us is telling. And it's the gospel story, and I believe as we tell it with our lives, which are full of hope and holiness, God will use it to bring more people into this wonderful story of a people chosen by him and full of hope. So stay strong, City Hope. Encourage one another, look after one another. Keep the hope of the gospel front and center in your own vision as we live out together our faithfulness to God. Grace and peace to you. Lots of love, Rebecca. All of that is the reason that we're looking at this new series in this little letter of 1 Peter. We're going to send eight weeks. Uh, some of the themes, hope, holiness and witness, they're big themes in this little letter. We're going to take eight weeks to mine it for all the help and wisdom we can for life in our time and place. So, a little bit of context then. It's a little letter. I'd love you to just go home and read it. It won't take you very long at all. In fact, I think it would be great if you're reading it over and over as we go through the series. Uh, that, I find that really helpful in a preaching series. But a little bit of context first, because as you'll know, this letter was not written to us. It was written to some real people in another time and place, but it's very much written for our, us as well. So, it's written by the Apostle Peter. Many of you remember him from the Gospels. He's the one with the big mouth. He's always putting his foot in it. Uh, but then we see him wonderfully transformed as he's filled with the Spirit in the Acts of the Apostles. And he leads the Church of Jerusalem powerfully. Uh, and he writes this letter much later. So it's in the 60s. So 60s AD, you know, not the 1960s. <laughs> So it's right at the beginning of the story of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's hard to get our heads around that sometimes, isn't it? It's like 30 years or so after the life of Jesus. So it's, it's beginnings. And all over the empire, these little groups of Christians springing up as the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message gets out. And the empire, of course, refers to the uh, Roman Empire, which you can see up there. It's big, isn't it? All that red is the Roman Empire. The power of Rome was mighty. And uh, the little blue arrow represents where Peter's writing from. That's Rome. 
And then the, uh, this oval over here represents the place he's writing to. Christians all over this region here, as you'll see, lots of different uh, named provinces, which today we would call Turkey. Um, and uh, the Rome, as I say, and you'll see this as we go through the series, I'm not going to talk about it much today, but it's Rome is the backdrop of all of this letter and of the other letters in the New Testament. It's the power of Rome. Rome says how you live, how you behave, what you believe, who you worship. Rome dictates how your family works. The power of Rome was mighty. But as you'll see, I think, over the weeks, I hope, many of the things that the Christians in this era and the first century in Turkey are dealing with are actually very pertinent to our own time and place. I, I don't know who remembers, we did a series in 1 Peter, we think it's about six years ago, I've been trying to work it out. Uh, it was called Being the People of God in a Post-Christian Society. Does anybody remember that? I do, because I've just been back over a few of the sermons. But I think you'll say, we, we decided we needed to do it again, look at this letter again, and I think you'll see why as we look through the weeks at these themes of hope, holiness, and witness, and how they come together. Okay, so this is how Peter starts his little letter. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's all those little places we saw in the Oval, which now constitute modern Turkey. So, exiles who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, sprinkle with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So we start, or Peter starts this letter with a, th with a little hint of a theme that's going to keep coming back, and it's this. He calls them exiles. He's writing to these Christians, and he calls them exiles. Now, exiles are people who've been removed from their home and put somewhere else. They don't really belong. They live there, but they don't really belong there. And before we move on, I just thought it was worth reflecting. I always think of this when I read this letter, that in our family of churches in Catalyst, we have... Uh, sister churches in Turkey who actually are doing a very similar thing, building little communities where Jesus is Lord, and they're doing it in a context which is, uh, not, which is suspicious of them, which doesn't like them, which doesn't understand the culture they're building. That's still going on today in these same places. And in fact, I think you'll probably find it's maybe more and more true of where we live today as well. Christine Cunningham is lobbing sweets across the <laughs> congregation. As usual. Okay. This is, this is going to get your attention. Listen, listen to this. Joel. By the rivers of Babylon There we sat down Yeah, we will When we I knew that would get you going. 
Africa. For those of you who don't know, that's a song uh, from, it was actually from, by the Melodians in 1970, repopularized in 1978 by these fine-looking people. Do you know it's still one of the all-time best-selling singles in top 10 in the UK? Bonus point for the B-side? Brown Girl in the Ring. Also a big hit. But did you know that that song is based on Psalm 137? And the Psalm 137 is a song sung by exiles. Okay, the people of God, they were in, in Judah, the Jerusalem was finally destroyed in 586 BC, and the people of God, um, Judah, the remnants of Israel, are, are taken into exile, taken to Babylon, defeated by the Babylonians. And it means that the, in their context, it means the people of God have been taken not only from their homes, but from their temple, from their God, essentially. How can they sing and how can we sing a, the Lord's song? How can we worship? How can we gather to our God? We've been taken from our temple where God lived among his people. That's what that's about. Exiles. And uh, the prophet Jeremiah, he answered that question very familiar passage some of you will know in uh, Jeremiah 29. He says this, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and allow your daughters to get married so they too can have sons and daughters. Grow in number, do not dwindle away. Work to see the city where I sent you as exiles in joys, peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, for as it prospers, you will prosper. Exiles. That's a theme that's going to come back. And, and this is what Peter's invoking when he addresses these Christians, these first century Christians as exiles. They're not really exiles. They've not been taken from their land. They live in their homes. They live in their hometowns. But they're people who don't truly belong in some way. They're different. They're called, they're picked out to stand out. And that's a theme that's going to keep coming back. People who don't truly belong and yet have an opportunity to contribute to the flourishing and the good of their towns and their neighborhoods. Watch out for that theme as we go through the series. But after his greeting, Peter launches into the main thing, which is what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, is the thing from which all his advice and exhortation in this little letter springs from. Okay, It's the gospel message. It's the glorious hope that we have in Christ. And he spends about nine verses or so we're going to look at, just waxing lyrical about the hope that he has, that we have, that these little f clutches of first century Christians in the Roman Empire, that they had. So I'm just going to read through those verses. We're in 1 Peter 1 from verse 3. And he writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, 
may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Here's a bit of advice modeled by Peter here. Before you counsel someone on how to cope with challenges and trials, before you give advice for life and behavior, point people to the gospel hope. Point, I'm talking about us here, you know. Let's point one another to Jesus. Let's refresh our memories. Let's refresh our minds. Let's keep our vision on the main thing. Peter starts, and he's going to go into a lot more, and you're going to see. He's going to talk about the way that being a human being means suffering. He's going to talk about the way that being a Christian can mean suffering. He's going to talk about a call to holiness. But before he does any of that, he gives this vision. He's almost like, he says, before we get into that, just like stand back. Just look at that. Just look at that. Just look at the, fill your horizon, if you can, with this extraordinary truth of the gospel hope. And what I want to do with the time we've got left is to just go through those verses. Just look at, very simply, just go through them slowly, pick them apart, and just focus on the hope that we have. City hope. Focus on the hope that we have in Jesus. First of all, I'm not going to be able to do all of it, but first of all, new birth into a living hope. It's great to have those little kids up this morning, Archie and Reggie, and when there's a birth, and actually there's been a birth this week. Buffy and Mick have had a baby this week, so <laughs> congratulations to them. It's great, isn't it? Birth is exciting, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah, Peter says, but you've, you've had a new birth. You're born again, that's where that expression comes from, and it's into a living hope. And this is the focus I really want us to get today, people. This hope that Jesus gives, it's not like anything else. I don't know about you, but I, I found it. It's not, to, it's not like anything else. It's a living hope. And the reason it's living and it cannot die is because it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's based in a historical event, which is that Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who died in order to enable us to know God, he came back from death, and he's alive. And everyone who's been through this baptism pool, and everyone who's going to go through it uh, in a month or so's time, is displaying that truth, that we've died to sin, that we've died to our earthly selves, and we've been raised with Christ. And that that means you cannot die. Yeah, yeah, this body's going to die. And, but eternally, you cannot die because your hope is based in the living Savior. He's not going to die. 
He's never going to die. He lives forever. It's our eternal hope. We had a fantastic funeral in here yesterday. It was such a great reminder. It's a man who just had all his hope in Jesus. And it was a, it was a joy to celebrate his life. To, yes, to grieve his loss with his family and friends, but to see that a man who truly understood that all his hope was in Jesus, who is alive forever, just transformed his life. It's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a real historical time event. And therefore, folks, it's a hope that cannot die. It's a hope that cannot disappoint. It's a hope that can't be taken away, whatever the circumstances we go through. And what else does he say? An inheritance can never perish, spoil or fade. Has anyone here, I guess some of you have had an inheritance like someone left you some money or a bit of jewellery or something. Right, excellent. Thanks, Chris. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe you're waiting for an inheritance. Maybe you've got expectations uh, from someone in your family or something. But I was thinking about this. You know, inheritances can be disappointing. There can be nice surprises. But sometimes when the will is ready, maybe there's a nasty surprise. I know someone, a little story, who... Whose, grand, whose grandfather was getting very, very old. And so um, he, he spoke to his grandfather and said, um, it's not too late, you need to make peace with God because you're going to meet your maker. And uh, this particular individual had not actually um, led a particularly fruitful life. He'd been quite unkind and difficult with lots of people. And my friend challenged his grandfather and said, you know, you, you need to be ready to meet your maker. And uh, the outcome of that was my friend got cut out of the will. <laughs> so... Everyone else got something, and he didn't. But, so that inheritance was a bit disappointing, but I don't think it would have been much anyway. But, but this is an inheritance that can't depreciate. It can't perish. It can't spoil. Nothing can do any, no, Nothing can take it away. And you might have, you know, if you're if you've got if you're lucky enough to have a, a rich uh, aunt or uncle somewhere with some jewelry and a Swiss bank vault waiting for you, then, then great. But this inheritance is stored somewhere much more secure than that, yeah? It says it's kept in heaven for you. That's how you know it can't be snatched away. It's kept in heaven for you. That's better than any Swiss bank vault. This inheritance is in heaven, and it's kept for you. And what's true of you, which is even more remarkable, is that you are being shielded by what? God's power. What's your insurance policy look like? I don't know, you've got life insurance or insurance for this, that, and the other. Well, let me tell you, that's nothing. The, you are being shielded, Peter says, by God's power. The power of God himself is shielding you, waiting, keeping you for that time, Peter says, when Jesus Christ is revealed. Because there's a time coming, isn't there? We know the Bible says that this, this world... All that we see around us is going to come to a point where when Jesus returns, there's going to be a transformation. Heaven and earth are going to come together. All sin and sickness is going to come to an end. Death itself is going to come to an end. There's an extraordinary hope beyond the grave. And that is coming, Peter says it twice, doesn't he? Salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in the next passage at the end there says when Jesus Christ is revealed there's a time coming and Peter is saying your inheritance is secure 
It's absolutely solid. Why? Because it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's kept, if you like, in the vault of heaven for you. Which is why Peter can say, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Do you, do you, does that make you rejoice? Does that give you hope? Does that give you joy? It does a couple of you. Because Peter goes on and he says, for a little while now, and I think he's just talking about life, the whole of your earthly life, for a little while you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter's not going to pull away in this letter from acknowledging the facts of life and the difficulties of life. He's going to, yeah, he's going to really go for it. And he's going to tell us that suffering comes. And actually, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should expect suffering to come just as he suffered for us. But, he says, the perspective you can have on those things is that what they do is that, that your faith is more valuable than gold or that jewellery in that vault. Yes, gold is amazing and it's refined by fire. One day it's going to perish. One day it's all going to perish. But your faith can endure. And what does it, what does it provoke? What does it... What's its end result? Praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed in the last time. That's what I want my life to produce. That's what I want my heritage to be. You know, thinking of this guy yesterday, uh, we celebrated Steve Mack's life, and his life results in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus, for sure. That's what I want. Is that what you want? You want your faith to be firm? to recognize it's of greater worth than any other inheritance. And Peter says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, you believe in him, and you're filled, therefore, with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Kwame was doing his best to express that joy this morning. Some of it's inexpressible. It, it's so deep. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And Peter's writing to these Christians, but Peter, remember, did see Jesus. Peter was there. Peter knew Jesus. He hugged Jesus. He laughed with Jesus. He argued with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. They are mates. He did see him, and he did see him raised from the dead. He was there. He says to these Christians, you, you, you don't see him, and yet you love him. Is that our experience? We've not seen the Jesus in the flesh, but we love him. Even though we don't see him now, we believe in him. And that, that results in an inexpressible joy. I, I want, I really, my prayer this morning is not only that we, City Hope, get this. That our perspective is so fixed on our hope that everything else makes more sense. It's that people in the room here who maybe don't have that inexpressible and glorious joy, that hope in Christ, that maybe you realize today you don't have it, would find it. Because there's nothing else. There's nothing else that you can cling to that is as firm and sure and secure as the promises of God for his people who believe in Jesus. And then Peter says, concerning this salvation. And he talks about the prophets. So he talks about uh, the, the prophets of old, the Old Testament, the guys who are receiving some revelation from God and they're writing it and they're, they're like Jeremiah, we read earlier. 
prophetically answering that question of the exiles. These prophets, they're searching, they're scratching their heads, they're trying to work out what is God saying to his people? This hope, this kind of future hope of a Messiah, of a Savior. Who will it be? When will it be? Is it this king? No. Is it the next one? No. And Peter says all of that, all of that story was pointing to Jesus. And actually it's pointing to you and me. It's been pointing to us all along. They're trying to work out, these prophets. The spirit of Christ in them is pointing towards something, pointing towards a future event, the Messiah coming, the Messiah suffering. Ha! Huh. It wasn't for them, it was for you. It was for those first century Christians in Turkey, but also for you who have had the preach the gospel to you. The gospel has been preached to you by the Spirit. It was for you. It was so that you would know that in this great story, we sang that earlier, I love that hymn. It reminds me of my grandmother, funnily enough. This is my story. This is his story and you're in it. This is now your story. The people of God picked out to stand out, to be his, to be exiles, to understand that's what we're doing here. We're different. We've got a hope that goes beyond anything else. I have really found uh, in the last few weeks, God has really been speaking to me about this eternal hope. And amazingly, <laughs> we hear stories and stories in this church, and I love it, of the way that the hope of the gospel does change the here and now. There's some people in this room who met with God powerfully this week at uh, an event here on Thursday. And it's like, oh, God steps in and he, he, it's like I'm surprised. I've met God in a surprising way and he answers prayers as we've heard and he meets us and he changes things. Yes, all of that is true, but the thing that keeps me firm, the thing that is going to keep us solid, City Hope, is that eternal perspective of knowing that there's a hope that goes beyond this life. There's a blessed assurance. You can have an assurance in your very being that can never be taken away from you because it's based in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and lives forever. And I just want to appeal to us. We're going to sing some songs in a minute. We're going to respond. But I want to say City Hope Hope is in the name. Yeah. Let's have hope in our hearts. Let's have hope in our vision. As we go through this letter, we're going to hear challenges and ways in which we're called to give ourselves and to be holy before God because he is holy. We're going to hear ways in which as Christians, maybe particularly in our time and place, we're going to have to stand up and things are going to be hard. Maybe those challenges are going to come, but what we want to do, as Peter does, is start with this amazing vista, this view of this hope in Jesus Christ. It's like nothing else. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, my prayer right now, as we pray, as we sing together, that we would experience again, appropriate for ourselves again, this incredible hope. That we wouldn't just know it in our heads, but the Spirit of God in us would produce it. And really, you know, we'd experience it. Let's pray for that. Let's come to God and ask for that. Let's ask for a refreshing 
of our hope that we know to be true. And if you're not a believer, if you, maybe you thought you were when you came in, but you realize you actually don't have that hope. Maybe you knew you didn't. You can have it. You can know. You can have that most blessed assurance that the offer is, is there for you. It's for everyone. God is calling and saying, this life, folks, as you know, I'm sure, it comes, it goes quickly. It's full of highs, it's full of lows. Yeah? But the only way, as Peter says at the end of the letter, he says, I've written to this to encourage you that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. If we're going to stand firm, City Hope, then uh, we've got to know the hope that we're called to. We've got to know that Jesus is all of it. Amen. Shall we worship him? Shall we sing together? Thanks, Jesus.